independentleft.news. Indie. Indie. What's up, Indie? Indie News Network. Indie. I get news from Independent Left. Independentleft.news. Independentleft.news. Indie Left Media. Independent Left News. Indie Left. Independent Left News. Independent Left Media. Indie Media. Indie Left. Indie. 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 Indie Left News. Indie Left. Hi, Indie. Indie Left News. Subscribe to Indie News Network. We're world building. Your, your way of assisting, I feel like, is really cool. Independentleft.news. Independentleftnews. I'm a huge fan. He created INN. The founder of uh, Independent News Network. Indie is the founder of Indie News Network. Thank you, Independentleft.news. A huge thank you and shout out to Indie Left. Everyone, check out Indie Left News. Hey, Indie Left. Independentleft.news. Indie. Indie. Hi, Indie. Indie Left. Indie Left News. Indie News. Independent Media. Independent Left News is done an amazing job. All right, I just leveled out and blew up Reef's ears. I love doing that. Uh, yeah, yes, you did. I knew I did. It is Sunday night. It is How Do We Miss That? It is the first time in a couple weeks that we're going live for How Do We Miss That? And damn if I miss doing this. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to give everybody a couple minutes to get in, but uh, holy shit, did you guys check out the INN anniversary day of content? I mean, I didn't really get a chance to hype it. Um, I know that we didn't promote it nearly as much as I wanted to, but we had 16 scheduled streams throughout a 24-hour period. Um, most of them were pre-recorded, mm. but damn, man, a ton of work, a ton of time put in. Um, we're so proud of every everything that we had put out and how it all came together had so much more things that we could have done to make an entire other day of content. But I think I was a little burned out on making it. I think everyone was a little burned out on watching it, but I think it made some evergreen content. Yeti did an awesome stream about sustainability. I think everybody needs to check that one out for sure. And we had some, some rewind stuff and then we did our round table and, and we all cried a little bit. and We had some fun with the round table. We did, you guys did a special I and I knew, so it was it was really cool. Um, CBC voter, yeah. it was amazing. Thank you, appreciate that. Uh, Anthony Malecki's in the chat, fam. What's up, dude? Thank you so much, man. Really, I love you, man. You, 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 yeah. Speaking of special I and news, Colin Tuesday at eight o'clock is going to be doing a um like fundraiser thing for uh his his teaching gig right um, yes for giving tuesday i don't know the details i know he put a yes uh he put a tweet out if people want to find that on from uh inns at get indie news yes you guys want to find that um yeah that's in the doobly but, too. yeah he's asking for some donations there so make sure to tune in tuesday give your support you know um yeah. Yeah, so always appreciated. It's always appreciated. So yeah, we did we did a clip show a couple weeks ago and put together a whole Ukraine theme, all the different clips that we had done all throughout the year about Ukraine and the war there and the special military operation, quote unquote. Okay, let's do that for YouTube. Um Yep. And then uh by the way, so Anthony Malecki, the reason why I, oh, I got all choked up, Anthony actually upped his Patreon this this week uh from uh, to another level and Deeply appreciate that, man. I love you. Love you really. So, your your support's really important to all of us, and you know your 
you're a big fan and big fam and and uh and we all appreciate it really um and it just goes right back into supporting great content creators which you know um anyway yeah welcome everybody to how do we miss that so it's sunday night it's how do we miss that it is a show and podcast streaming live on rockfin youtube twitch rumble facebook twitter odyssey telegram Sunday nights at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, available on all your favorite podcast platforms as well, and Substack. Don't forget, um, that's that's at IndieMedia.today. That's co-hosted by me. I'm Andy, founder and editor of Indie Left News, IndieMediaToday.today, and Reef Freeland, this guy sitting next to me, he's the INN technical director, host of Reefer After Dark When It Runs, and more more you know regularly INN News, uh, which is up to, I think, 35 or 36 yeah. episodes so far. <clears throat> Uh, we're both co-founding members. So. You, what? Sorry. I said I think so. Yeah. So uh, you know, he he co-hosts that with Colin. We're all co-founding members of Indie News Network, which is a collaborative family of independent content creators. Shout out to Indie News Network. You can follow them at indienews.network. All the stories that we're going to do tonight were included in independentleft.news between Sunday and Friday. That's the website that we run, and that's automatically updated at noon every day. It's impossible to keep up with this fire hose of developing news all week long. And these are just five pretty big stories out of the hundreds. And please make sure to like this, like the stream, share this link, subscribe to our channel on all the platforms that you watch and listen. We're pretty much everywhere. And uh, again, we, we, we're going to we'll thank all the volunteers and everything at the end. We've got credits and thank you so much to everyone that, that contributes and Patreon. And again, we're, we're available everywhere. So I want to get the stories because we've got, some of them that are pretty interesting and first one uh let's let's look at some thumbnail okay so on the thumbnail we're going to cover that ukraine goes dark that's going to be later pilots and amazon workers yeah. we're going to talk about what's happening there and then we're going to talk about orf and matt taibbi and the article they wrote about censorship and what youtube has been doing to them and i may even actually have to go into restream and turn off youtube for a portion of that so we may have to kick over to rockfin and rumble to show some of the video if you want to see the full orf thing uh, i'm just worried that they're going to take us down but um otherwise i mean i think we'll be okay if we're you know uh, like we probably don't need to show the whole thing we'll see so first story is about the pilots though and uh i'm worried about the pilots i think we all should be worried about the pilots they're you know they're workers just like everybody else they're blue collar they may make better, slightly better salaries. They do impossible work uh, really hard, and we're going to learn about a little bit more about what they're up to right now. So this came out of Labor Notes, Jonah Furman, last week, and uh, the pilots are speaking out on contract flights. I get to have a life, too. Like, so I'm reading through this. I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. don't, nobody's talking about airline, airline pilots? Wait, airline pilots, too? Seriously? Like, is there anyone that's immune? Is there anyone that's not being squeezed? Like, so I thought it was important to to talk about some pilots and and read this story really quickly. That's the uh, I just put the link for Rockfin in the chat. Rockfin's an ad free platform. Go over there, sign up, subscribe for free. Shout out to INN that just hit its two thousandth follower for free on the platform. Uh, there is a premium subscription available that's going to be going up in price soon, but. Uh, either way, there all of our content's available basically for free, um, and you'll be able to see all the clips from this. By the end of the week, you'll see all of them free. I make a couple of them premium for throughout the week, and as we release them, they become free there too. Anyway, 
Pilots, holy moly, pilots. Airline labor's at a breaking point. Country's four largest airlines. Four largest airlines facing labor pilot conflict. All centering on mismanaged pandemic recovery. Yay. So the pilots are split among three unions, and they share grievances over grueling scheduling. You know, this sounds very similar to the rail workers, right? And also to the Nabisco workers. Yep. So they say overworkers depleted their home lives while inflation eats into their paychecks. Well, of course, because they're they're not being raised to keep up with right now the rising cost of inflation. Here, Delta pilots voted by ninety nine percent to authorize a strike with ninety six percent turnout. They're all they all want they they all want to fight. United pilots ninety four percent to reject a tentative agreement, and the American Pilots Union leadership voted not to even send their deal out for a vote. Southwest pilots filed for mediation in September, signaling the contract negotiations are are not going to go smoothly either, right? So, uh, any potential strikes are still a long way off. Airline unions are, interesting, covered under the Railway Labor Act, and negotiations are subject to extensive federal oversight before any legal strike or lockout can take place. I think we can thank the Reagan administration for that. I seem to recall in the early 80s, there was a pretty heavy pilot uh, airline pilot strike and the government came in and broke that strike and forced the pilots to go back to work, if I remember correctly. But I don't I, I I'm not going to speak to the details. I need to research it. I'll be the first one to admit I don't know the details of that story. That's just what I remember as being a little kid. Mm. Mm. Right. So like the rail negotiations, pilots negotiations have stretched on for years without raises. But pilots and rail workers are like, the primary issue isn't money, it's time. And again, we've talked about this on the rail worker stuff. It's how much time they're getting. So again, not money, but time. So the airline industry has gone through incredible turbulence over the past three years. Not surprising when the pandemic hit, demand collapsed, and they obviously the flights went down 75% by May 2020. And what did they do? They furloughed or they laid off everybody. But air traffic rebounded just as fast, shooting up 80% from February to July of last year. All right. Over the course of pandemic, federal government spent more than $50 billion on stabilizing the industry. They pumped money into this thing. And that money was meant to maintain capacity for when the market bounced back. Makes sense, right? Instead, they did the opposite. They offered buyouts encouraging thousands of pilots to take early retirement deals. And now that short-sighted decision has left them scrambling to keep up with demand. Yeah, they told all these pilots, take retirement packages so they could cut their books and show massive profits when demand was lower. And instead of using that to maintain the levels that they were already sustaining during pandemic or prior to pandemic, they instead reallocated that money and turn it into profit, which thanks federal government for that. And here's yep. the result. More work for fewer pilots, more fatigue and less time at home. We had on some days a tenfold increase on pilot fatigue calls. All right. This is not a canary in the coal mine. It's a lion roaring in a cage. I mean, you don't really hear that description too often from a pilot or like from a worker inside, but 
Fatigue calls are based on a pilot's own judgment. Federal Aviation Administration regulations govern how long a pilot can be scheduled to work in a day. Depending on such factors as start time, number of co-pilots, the pilots say what's legal under FAA rules and company policies is not necessarily what's safe or smart. That's haunting in itself, that pilots are not determining exactly what's yeah. safe or smart. That's, can we start right there now? And then he says, I have to make that call. Hey, you're legal. You can have a 13 or 14 hour day, but are you good to land in LaGuardia at midnight in a driving rainstorm? The more pressure that's put on you, it's pressure on the margin of safety. I mean, so tours of duty, which are known as work blocks. And here, this is also gets into, remember how they had that, that just in time scheduling for the rails also getting longer. Yeah. So now where pilots used to be assigned to leave home for one or two days at a time, now work blocks tend to be four or five days long. How do you sustain a marriage? How do you like, know your children at all with four or five days out. And here's the other problem, and I'm going to read that here. This also ups the stakes of calling in sick, because if you call out at the beginning of a work block, you're on the hook for four to five days of sick time, which is sometimes more than half a pilot's yeah. annual allowance. I mean, for missing one hop, because they decided to stretch the, the length of your hop. So in response, yep. the unions are calling for more transparency and predictability in scheduling. Yeah, so typically a pilot who's on reserve gets about 12 hours notice that they're on the short list to get called up. This is unbelievable. Like I could not believe I'm reading even this whole sentence. This is how they fuck these pilots in the first few for the first few months or first few years that, that they're putting in their, their time and paying their dues to gain their seniority. Right? So 12 hours notice that they're on a short list to get called up if they're on reserve. This isn't even if they're actually scheduled for a flight. It's yeah. going to give them time to commute so you're on to call. their... Right. They're on call. It, it gives them time to commute to their base airport, which is also often via a commuter plane, because they can't even afford to live near a base airport because they get paid so shitty. They don't say yeah. that, but that's the that's the other rub. That's, that's of course, flight yeah. attendants as well as pilots where they then wait in a hotel room for a few hours to get the call about when their tour will begin, if their tour will begin, because, again, they're on call. If someone higher in the queue calls in sick or picks up a different shift, they could get in called, they could call them sooner. And if there are delays, they could be held back longer. But in pre-pandemic times, this reserve system applied to mainly the lower seniority pilots who didn't yet have a fixed schedule, which is about 15 to 20% of the workforce, which, according to United Pilots, I mean, just a guesstimation that's no official released statistic. But during 2020, 2021, 2022, even early, okay, percentage of pilots on reserve year, 50%. They had veterans got a taste of how broken and disruptive the reserve scheduling system has become. They had guys that had been, and, and women that had been pilots for 20, 30 years, sitting on reserve in a hotel room, waiting for a flight to either show up or to be assigned or i mean just for uh, maybe okay so again the workforce reductions followed by rapid new hirings have also changed how the unions approach negotiations and now they have about 6000 pilots who weren't there last time they went through negotiations so 
this is a six-year Delta pilot. We've had generational shift, and the folks that are being hired now have a different idea and perspective. They expect the company will give us better yeah. benefits when it comes to work-life balance, right? Why does this like even have to be said that we have a younger generation and they're like, I get to have a life. I'm not going to be my dad. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. I mean, my father who works 30 days on 30 days off, like he definitely gets notice, you know, like, yeah, that's craziness. There's a schedule. Yeah, you can have full a week stint. Consistent. Yeah, like. Yeah. Yep. All right, so let's look at the chat. Hey, Rick Solis, welcome. So C.S. Moria, uh, Air Traffic Controllers Union, Reagan fired them and then hired scabs. I oh, okay, okay. Yep, in case they don't hire scab, they, they can't. In this case, they can't just hire scab pilots, I don't think. I don't know how you hire scab air traffic controllers either, but I guess there are local ones. And but there's you have to have a certain amount of time on certain planes, and most of them are ex military because and licensing and it's yeah. so expensive yep. to get the, the hours in that kind Training. of jet to be able to even go yeah. work for one of these airlines. Uh, I've, I've done a little bit of homework about some of this stuff in the past, yeah. Um, Me as but, well. I, you know, again, I wanted to shout out the pilots. Um, I got to fly earlier this month and we had a smooth flight. And um, so these guys don't get nearly the love that, that they deserve. And they are, <clears throat> while a slightly higher paid than the average blue collar worker, they still are blue collar workers that are at the behest of management and that are working early on just for, you know, they're not making big money. And they're working shitty shifts to be able to pay their dues to be able to get there at some point. So, so shout out to to all the pilots out there. Thank you, and we appreciate what you're doing. And we know that you're a worker, just like everybody else. Um, all right. So I got, I got another story here, and you saw, and it was a good one about Amazon. Uh, it, it's a good one, but it's got a little bit of a weird twist to it, and. Man. As they tend to. And well, the the next one's pretty even even better, but but this one, this guy, I, Common Dreams Indie Media Award winner. By the way, go to indiemediaawards.com if you haven't gone there yet. Check out all the Indie Media Award honorees. There are thirty nine of them: outlets, streamers, and writers, the best of the best, the people who are featured the most in independent left news. And the people that that we love and and really support and endorse. So, cease and desist order called for massive called a massive victory for Amazon workers, and it is. And who calls it a massive victory? The lawyer for ALU. So, okay. Um, <clears throat> Kenny Stancil writes this article. There's Chris. This was over on Labor Day weekend when they were doing the protest over at Jeff Bezos's house. So. Here's here's his article. Progressives in the United States welcome news that federal judge on Friday, and this was last uh, just this week, uh, last week filed a nationwide cease and desist order against Amazon, which stipulates that the e-commerce giant must stop firing workers for organizing and otherwise impeding their participation in pro-union activities. Now, 
What are the ramifications, consequences? What are they going to do? I have no idea. But the court order filed in Eastern District of New York by District Judge Diana Guajarati. I, I knew I was going to butcher that name. I should have. That's close. I think you're good. All right. So it instructs Amazon, which of course is the country's second largest employer, to immediately stop, quote, discharging employees because they engaged in protected concerted activity and, quote, in like in any like or related manner, interfering with, restraining, or coercing employees in the exercise of the rights guaranteed to them by Section 7 of the National Labor Relations Act. Quote. Okay, cool. Right? And then Vice does this whole long report, and they, the thing is, is that they talk about Gerald Bryson, and he's the one that, that this is filed on behalf of because he was fired for protesting black safety protocol. So, of course, we know about JFK 8 and Chris Smalls. At the time, NLRB found yep. Amazon illegally retaliated against him by terminating him and demanded that it reinstate him. The judge's order denied his request to get his job back because it claimed it wouldn't have significant effect on workers' willingness to organize. That blows my mind. I What? So, Ana Lilia Mejia and DeMario Cooper, who are co-executive directors for the Center for Popular Democracy Action, applauded the court's decision to provide injunctive relief to protect Amazon workers across the U.S. from being terminated for engaging in legally protected workplace organizing, because while lamenting that ruling falls one step short because it fails to reinstate Bryson. So what they're saying is, is that this decision is a massive victory for Amazon workers nationwide, the ones at least who are there now. Protection from retaliation is especially important as the workers enter the grueling peak season in Amazon's warehouses, which we know of. Okay, Mejia and Cooper said uh, that nonetheless, continuing to keep Gerald Bryson out of work at this point is just a travesty of justice. It's just mean and cruel. He actually wants to go back and work at JFK 8. Man, what does that tell you about Gerald mm. Bryson, about working at JFK 8, about the people in that union, I mean, it's uh, it it really is a travesty. So, in addition to mandating that Amazon cease and desist, well, it probably shows there's no other work. Well, yes, sure, at that price, especially you know at that rate. But in addition to mandating that Amazon cease and desist, okay, from retaliatory dismissals of workplace organizers, other suppressive tactics that violate federal labor law, the court also requires the immensely profitable corporation to publicly inform all of its JFK employees of their rights. I'm sure, really, they're going to they're gonna do that on the up and up, right? So again, Center for mm -hmm. Popular Democracy looks forward to the posting and public reading of the judge's order so that JFK 8 workers will be notified of their federal rights and of their un employer's unlawful actions. Error. Now, Reef actually has a little bit of a story on this. Amazon continues to aggressively suppress worker organizing across the country, but now the NLRB has the added enforcement power of a federal court's cease and desist order. We will continue to fight for justice for Gerald and other Amazon workers nationwide, and we urge the NLRB to continue pushing courts to grant injunctive relief for fired Amazon employees. Hell yeah. Justice for my boy Matt Luttrell, too. All right? Mm. 
ALU lawyer, here we go, Seth Goldstein, he talked to Vice that the ruling is of huge significance, that it is a national cease and desist order, which means that wherever in the country they violate it, theoretically, the NLRB can immediately seek a contempt of court order. A federal judge is not happy when a, when a party violates their rule. There can be sanctions of all types. Well, that's pretty interesting. I'm not crazy mm -hmm. necessarily about Seth Goldstein or ALU. Seth Goldstein is also a DNC affiliated, if I remember correctly. Again, I, don't I, just, I, I know there's going to be. I know there's going to be something. Like, they don't grant these powers without handcuffing you somewhere else. You know? Okay, YepX so... is saying that volume on mobile is maxed and it's hard to hear us, which is really interesting. All right, well, I'm going to move the mic a little closer and hopefully that helps. Um, okay, so yeah. the court um... order comes just weeks after Amazon suspended dozens of JFK 8 workers who refused to return to the shop floor. Of course, we covered that for a few hours due to health and safety concerns following a fired New York City Fulfillment Center. Either we covered it or you guys covered it on, on IANA News. One of us definitely covered the fire. Seth Goldstein mm -hmm. called yeah. Amazon's punitive response to last month's temporary work stoppage a violation of workers' rights to join in a collective action about the terms and conditions of their employment. And he's not wrong. Staten Island facility has earned a reputation for egregious violations of workers' rights since it opened in September 2018. This I don't think people talk about much. Again, this is pre-pandemic stuff. Data published earlier this year, for instance, shows that the fulfillment center's already above-average injury rate increased by 15% during pandemic from 2020 to 2021, which is where when Chris was screaming about this. And when Matt, you know, earlier this year has been yelling, but Amazon earlier spent big on union-busting consultants and pulled out all the stops in a failed bid to crush the organizing drive at JFK 8. However, it worked at Albany, and they're going to say that. Just days after the early October fire at JFK 8, Amazon did successfully defeat a unionization effort at ALB 1. ALU has filed objections to the result, accusing Amazon again of coercive, threatening, and retaliatory conduct. And we know what they were doing to Heather. Uh, we know that they were having me, you know, illegal meetings with employees. We know that they were bullying people and chasing them into the parking lot. They were insisting that people vote no. Um, I'm not saying that all that is not happening. It's it's not good. And it was a two-to-one loss, as I'm sure you remember we covered. But regarding the nationwide cease and desist order, Goldstein said that it is broad and it is sweeping and that no one has gotten that yet against Amazon. So that's a good thing. Um, I don't know how much they're going to be able to enforce it or what they're going to be able to do. I don't see any penalties, any punitive measures. What will this cost them? Will Amazon continue to fire these people? My guess would be until it really costs them substantially, they're going to. And, and it makes me angry and sad, and it's why I continue to cover this and amplify it and call this out whenever I see it. Hmm. Um, 
And there's more with Amazon, of course, because this was we had a we had a holiday this week. Um yep. we had Thanksgiving. And we the day after Thanksgiving is one of the biggest days for Amazon in the US and globally, but specifically in the US. But worldwide, what we saw was a global workers' protest that actually bled into the US. Thankfully, there was Hmm. some solidarity. But I'm going to continue with another common dream story, which also appeared in SharePost. On Black Friday, Amazon workers in 40 plus countries strike and protest despicable treatment. I love it. This is great. So what happened here? Here's garment workers in Bangladesh taking part in a make Amazon pay demonstration. On Friday. So more than 30 countries participated. Thousands of Amazon workers in more than 40 countries are planning to mark Black Friday by walking off the job and protesting the corporate behemoth's use of employees in the climate, as well as its chronic avoidance of taxes while raking in huge profits. Hell yeah, Jake Johnson. Love that uh, sentence. Make Amazon Pay, which, by the way, is a website, makeamazonpay.com or .org. We're going to go to it, and I'm going to put in a tweet from there later. Actions are expected to include Mm. marches and rallies, reunion recognition in Bangladesh, strikes at nearly 20 warehouses in France and Germany, walkouts in a dozen cities in the U.S., and protests by newly organized workers, unionized workers in Japan. We have to make Amazon pay all its workers a decent wage. In dignified in dignified workplaces for its environmental damage. Today, unions, civil society, and progressive elected officials will stand shoulder to shoulder in a massive global day of action to denounce Amazon to denounce Amazon's despicable multi-million dollar campaigns to kill worker-led union efforts. And that's the president of UNI Global Union, Christy Hoffman. So it's time for the tech giant quote to Cease their awful, unsafe practices immediately, respect the law, and negotiate with the workers who want to make their jobs better. That is talking about the uh, unwillingness to recognize the ALU specifically. As they're about to say, that Amazon spends around $4.3 million, million dollars, literally, like Jeff Bezos with the finger and Dr. Evil. On anti-union consultants in the U.S. last year as it worked to crush historic Organizing efforts in Alabama, of course, at RWD at RDU one, and New York at JFK eight, and at um, uh, the the other one in in five number five. Oh God, I'm the one where Tristan Lyon worked. I'm losing my mind. Uh, LDJ five. I mean, it's losing. So workers ultimately voted earlier this um, year to unionize and set out of the warehouse. The first ever, like we'd said, organized union in the U.S. It was LDJ5. It's the other warehouse in Staten Island. I just brain farted for a second. <clears throat> meanwhile, um, meanwhile, I love it when they put that in. Amazon avoided $5 billion in federal corporate income taxes in the U.S. last year, according to the Institute on Taxation, on Taxation and Economic Policy, as the company continued to shortchange and exploit its employees who were frequently injured on the job as they raced to meet the company's punishing productivity measures. Again, we've talked about a lot of that too. So across the globe, the workers who make Amazon's vast 
Logistics Network, and numerous businesses possible say they're often subjected to inhumane treatment and forced to labor under grueling conditions to earn a meager paycheck as company executives grow richer each year. And some of them aren't even meager. They are meager in comparison to CEO Andy Jassy, who received $213 million in total compensation in 2021. That is beyond an obscene amount. And there are people that say that he earned that because the company earned X billion and he's in that what and that's what his pay plan says. And a lot of that is in bonuses and stock. And it turns out that a lot of the stock is has gone down in value and it's not nearly what that is. And some of it's in options that he then has to spend his own money to buy and cash out of. And a lot of it he may not even buy at the time that it's but stupid. Garment workers like those I represent toil to swell Amazon's coffers, often without any recognition that we're Amazon workers, said Nazma Akter, president of the Somalito Garment Sramic Federation in Bangladesh. Amazon is the third largest direct employer in the world. But when you take us into the supply chain into account, it's actually even bigger, uh, even larger. And at work, they can face sexual harassment from management victimization when they try to organize in the trade union against that violence and for better pay and conditions. Wow, that almost sounds like what happens here in a lot of cases. Again, that's in Bangladesh. They're on the front line of climate breakdown. And we we covered some of that too. Yep. <clears throat> so they know climate justice and social justice cannot be separated. We need to have to make Amazon pay, hashtag make Amazon pay, all its workers a decent wage in dignified workplaces and for its environmental damage. Yeah. They disclosed earlier this year that it emitted the equivalent of 71.54 million metric tons of carbon dioxide in 2021, which is likely a significant undercount given how they calculate their footprint and that they want to actually make themselves look better. <clears throat> I didn't. The, Jake didn't write that. I just added that extra line. So, Progressive International's Make Amazon Pay coordinator, and this is who's coordinating this globally, is Progressive International and a huge host of groups. And you'll we'll go over that in a minute. So we all know that the price of everything is going up, as is the temperature of our planet. Okay, Instead of paying its workers fairly, its taxes in full, and for its damage to our environment, Amazon is squeezing every last drop of time it can from workers, communities, and the planet. Sure. And so is the U.S. military. Amazon is, and the U.S. military. Let's not forget that. So this guy wrote an op-ed for in Jacobin, or they did, that as cost of living soar worldwide, that their hardline stances against improving workplace conditions and recognizing unions remain unchanged. So... They're doing the same thing everywhere else that they're doing to Chris Smalls and to ALU and to the guys at RWDSU and to the uh, Teamsters that are trying to organize and to Amazon Cause. Shout out to Amazon Cause down in North Carolina. Love those those, those folks. They're doing amazing work. In the UK, it offered workers a ridiculous 35 pence raised per hour in August. In other words, a massive real-term pay cut. That's it. That's 
35 pence? Well, that's like a massive real term pay cut. Well, it's 35 cents an hour. Well, because if you're you're not giving them a raise, they're actually because of cost of living, they're getting paid. You know that that dollar is coming out plus taxes. In France and Germany, workers also rejected having their pay cut. I feel like that barely covers inflation. It doesn't even. That's the point. It it actually puts them worse off. Yeah, I'm giving you a raise, and I'm putting you worse off than you were before. Yeah, because aren't I the benevolent king for giving you a raise? Which after taxes, (laughs) right? The thirty-five pence turns into sixteen pence. All right, and yes, just yeah. So, in France and Germany, workers also rejected having their pay cut in real terms. Amazon made thirty-three point three billion in profit in twenty twenty-one, but it won't pay its workers a fair share. And you can't just say Bezos anymore. Bezos is. One of the largest shareholders. He's a founder. He's on the executive executive board of the chairmanship, but he is not running the day to day operations anymore. This guy Andy Jassy is. He's really the the guy we should be screaming at. The guy whose doorstep we should be laying on every day. Yeah, it's going to line Bezos's pockets, but Andy Jassy is now the one in control of the ship. So to make Amazon pay, we can clearly not rely on goodwill. Instead, Amazon workers and their trade unions, environmentalists, tax watchdogs, regulators need to get together and fight back. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. Quote, that's why Mm -hmm. workers and organizers are uniting on November 25th in a campaign to make Amazon pay. When the U.S., the Bangladesh, Germany, South Africa, Amazon will face coordinated strikes and protests demanding that Amazon raises wages above inflation for all its workers, stops its union busting, decarbonizes its whole supply chain, and pays its fair share of taxes everywhere. So there was this Laura girl who tweeted about Make Amazon Pay. My guess is that she's working with the organization. And I did go to this makeamazonpay.com to see like who's involved. And it's a pretty impressive right. list of people. Um, and it didn't just happen in the U.S. It, it, worldwide, but it said that in dozens of facilities world in the U.S., including at STL eight, there were workers who walked off the job. And even huh. I thought this guy hated labor and didn't really like workers. Jimmy Dore, wait, Jimmy Dore, Jimmy Dore mm-hmm. retweeted that. Get out! Wait, mm. I thought he's a right winger. He doesn't mm. like workers. Come on. Mm. All right. Mm. Mm. Shout out, Jimmy. Fuck you. Thanks. Oh, well, oh, I, I, I teased the next story. Damn it. All right. Um, Did you? A little bit. Uh, but I'm going to go back to a two shot. We'll, we'll escape out of this. And I did want to go to that um, makeamazonpay.com and show you guys who's involved. All right, let's go back here. All right, we're going to make Amazon pay. So what's going on here? Again, this is run by Progressive International. And right away, you know, it's available in a lot of languages, which is great. Okay, they've got the sign up form. All the countries where they're going to, where they're organizing. There's a toolkit to organize your own. And then you've got here's the coalition, Progressive International, UNI Global Co- Global Union, Amazon Workers International, 
350. And then here we go. They literally had to put this in alphabetical order because there are so many in every country that are participating in this action, which is really cool. This is organizing. Green Greenpeace. And it's across organizations we not we may not always agree with and align with. International Federation of Journalists. I'm guessing that they're also like part of the mainstream media. The ITW, uh -huh. the, you know, the ITWF, some of the big labor unions. But I did not see Amazon labor union involved. Um, I did not see the oh, public citizen. We like those guys. That was founded by Ralph Nader. Mm, Sunrise. Sunrise Movement. Okay, and I was looking for, I don't see any of the other major unions that we had interviewed or looked at as yeah. involved in organizing Amazon in the U.S. Um, mm. But some of them still had walkouts in their facilities. So I just wanted to be you to be aware of this website, makeamazonpay.com. They are actually trying to do things to organize workers worldwide and take action, which I think is pretty damn cool. So, um, yes, Jimmy Dore is word violence. Thank you, Eric. Eric T. Red. Jimmy Dore. Welcome to the show. We got Care Bear Colin in the house, INN. Go check out his interview with, um, with Kadal Rani from the anniversary stream. That was great. We got Rick Solis here. I never remembered that name. I've typed it like 50 times. I definitely remembered it. <laughs> uh -huh. um, Andy you. must do more than 4,000. <laughs> yeah, more than the average worker. You bet. Dot com. Yes, for sure. Dot com. Thank you, Yepex. Yeah, uh, let, let me put that up on screen. That's, that, that's really sweet of you. Saying that uh, it's all about geometry. I wish you guys had more viewership. You guys still being punished by YouTube. I guess we are. Um, we're also live on Rumble on Rockfin. Nobody's chatting over on Rockfin. I don't know why, but we're there. We're on Odyssey. We're over on Telegram. We're on Twitter and Twitch and Facebook, and we're everywhere. So I don't know if it's that people aren't watching us there. We're also on both INN. And on Indie Left's YouTube, so we're kind of splitting between those two channels as well. I kind of cannibalize my own in, channel in that if way. If you're in, like, yeah, if if you can get your bunny ears to tune into like Southeast Channel Three, I'm I, I've been piping it into there. You know, you just gotta get get real finicky with that 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 little antenna. You know what I'm saying? Oh, we got thumbnail designer. Hold it. We got thumbnail extraordinaire designer, INN creative director, Big Bad Crab in the house. I was listening to Wall Street. Who are these people? Down. Yeah, who are these people? Thank you, Joe. But I no, Indie Left and INN are not the same. That's a great question, Yapex. I'm so glad that you asked, and I'd like to clear that up. No, I am Indie Left. I'm Indie, and independent left news 
uh, is a daily newsletter that I started two and a half years ago. Um, and I also have an Indie Media Today substack. And that's what that does is amplify the entire left uh, from Gray Zone to Jimmy Dore to RBN to everybody. And then uh, last. Aaron Monte, you say? Oh, no, no. I don't want to hear about Aramate. Fuck Aramate. No, Aramate. The host too. be known. Oh, the host be known. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're, we're, we're not, we're not featuring TYT or, or, um, T, or Humanist Report or any of those guys. But so I started this website two and a half years ago. Saw about a year and change ago that there were a bunch of these up and coming content creators. And I talk about this to Savvy Sabs, but. I organized a group into an, a network that's INN, that's Indie News Network, of which I am a member and a participant and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, Reef and I run the network together. And we represent uh, and work You can find with... all the links to all the members of the network at indienews.network. Okay, so we do what, some original shows copy? for INN, exclusive to INN. Jesse Jett's American Tradition is exclusive to INN. INN News is exclusive to INN. We do network roundtables that sometimes have gone to everybody's channel, but we've done a couple like rando roundtables that just went to INN. Um, so we have our own channels for Indie News Network, and we have our own link tree, IndieNews.network. But Independent Left News is its own entity that showcases everybody's stuff. There's bots that share on Twitter. There's, uh, and, and that's, where I primarily tweet your from. IndieLeft.media secure or not secure? Uh, it is not secure. Okay, cool. Just type it without. You needed to know if it needed an S or no, not. No, it does not need an S, but. Yeah. Thank you. So, ah, Todd, be the change. Another INN member. See, I contacted all these kick-ass content creators, like Colin in the chat, like Todd in the chat, be the change, like Reef, who's sitting next to me. Like Rob Durden, who I've done shows yep. with, and Chris Legion, who's been on here, and Angel Rivera, and I could go on and on. There's 23 of us. Check us all out at IndieNews.network. Now I'm doing a commercial. Don't put the timer up, Reef, please. I have mm -hmm. more stories, I promise. I won't. Okay. So, yes, I just, uh, to clear up, though, I am Indie with Indie Left News, but there is a separate INN, and our Twitter is at GetIndieNews on, uh, on Twitter. And that is the conglomerate collective of 23 people. It could be me. It could be Reef. It could be Colin. But we're trying to basically tweet on behalf of the network, on behalf of everybody. And everybody collectively, by the way, at INN has access to Restream. Everybody has access to Canva to be able to do kick-ass thumbnails and artwork. Everybody. And we also have creative directors. So if you need help, we've got guys like Greg. And if you need help with streaming, we got guys like Reef and audio and it's 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 awesome. It's a big family. So, rando round table. Now it is a party. It's it's been a party in the past. Um, so I did want to get back, and we're going to go back to our story here, and we're going to talk about another independent content creator who is featuring independent left news, but not part of INN. Though we love him, and I I I think I may have even invited Orf at one point to join INN, but Orf is big time now. It's really funny that I'm doing this story because. I didn't realize until like basically yesterday that Jimmy Dore also not only covered the story, but had Orf on and I invited Orf to join us and not to call out Orf out. I love Orf and I totally get that why he's busy and whatever, but I, I've been a Patreon supporter and fan and uh, we've DM'd in the past and I was hoping maybe that if he wanted to come knowing that I was going to cover stuff that he would join us, but 
Love you, Orf. Totally get it. Appreciate you no matter what. You do great work. Um, and Cram's done some work with Orf. Get your ass over too. here. But come on out and hang out sometime. Anyway. Yeah. Um, fucker. Does Reef share and mail his spare herb? Reef doesn't have Fuck any spare you. herb. Reef doesn't have any spare herb. Reef no, actually it's, needs it's weed money. So if you can go to Cash App, yeah. dollar sign Reef Breland, <laughs> R E E F Breland, B R E L I N. It's in the doobly doo in the description down below. You can always find that at drsmoke.cloud. Yes, it, it is at Dr. Dr. Smokey. Dr. Smokey. Cloud. Cloud. <laughs> I set up a, yeah. a URL that goes to that. His link tree. Fucking weirdo. <laughs> uh. So, Orf got censored and Matt Taibbi's angry because it happened for Matt Taibbi's website, TK News. What happened? So, mm. we'll start out by telling you what happened on Thursday. So, on Thursday, I think this was. Election denial for me, but not for thee. YouTube censors TK produced videos again, despite factual accuracy. <laughs> right? He didn't lie. He didn't alter clips, removed key context. He made edits faithful to, to reality, got a strike for it. Thank you, Nanny State. So, in late September, Matt Orfala, or Orfale, or at, at ORF, okay, or zero RF on Twitter. Go follow him. Go give him a shout out. Go sub to him on Patreon. He's one of my favorites. He's fantastic. Uh, he inspires Joe. I know he inspires Turncoat Don. He's one of those guys that makes these cut videos that just, they they punch in the face. And we're going to watch a couple of them today. So, in late September, videographer Matt Orfalo made a pair of videos for TK. One, memory hold, the election was hacked. Simple montage of Democratic politicians, media officials, enforcement officials saying the 2016 election was among other things, quote, illegitimate, quote, rigged, quote, hacked, and a, quote, cyber 9-11. I have to say, quote, I want to be very careful. YouTube, don't take my channel down. The second one, titled Memory Hold Part 2, the, quote, unquote, rigged election, was a similar exercise with one exception that it compared the post-2020 statements of Donald Trump to post-2016 of Democratic partisans. When Trump tells Chris Wallace, I have to see, I have to see. When asked if he'd concede the election, Orff shows Hillary Clinton saying, no, I would not accept. When asked in 2017, after, after her loss, that she'd contest the results. No, I would not. Okay? He, he shows Trump later saying, he'll, of course, respect the results if I win. And Hillary Clinton saying, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances. Quote. Essentially exact mm -hmm. analogs, right? And here's a tweet from Orf yep. showing, you know, that, that YouTube pulled his, his video down. And thank, thanks so much for that, YouTube. Oh, shut the fuck up. Shitlib is in the house. Okay, Joe has entered the chat. What's up, Joe? YouTube initially tried to demonetize both videos, but after a fuss, they reversed the decision about the first one. But now they've taken a more drastic step, not only deleting the second video, but two earlier rough cut versions that were never even shown to the public, but lived on his site, I believe as drafts. This is another mad feature of the content moderation era. You can be censored and punished for pre-publication thinking just for the fact that they think that you might put that out and make that public. They also gave him a content strike, leaving him just two away from being removed completely from the site, which would effectively put him out of business. And this is pretty much the story that he tells to Jimmy Dore. And Jimmy's focused on 2020, 2016, and the hypocrisy here. 
So YouTube's decision claims that the second video contains claims that U.S. the past presidential elections were rigged or stolen, and our election integrity policy prohibits content that advances false claims that widespread fraud, errors, or glitches occurred in U.S. presidential elections. Okay, moreover, quote, countervailing views, which we refer to as EDSA context, on those remarks are not provided in the video, audio, title, or description. That's crazy. So this EDSA thing is where they're saying you have to provide context and say, yes, we know that that for sure that Joe Biden is the president, that da, 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 and that the, you, you have to acknowledge that like throughout the whole thing and have like a disclaimer, I guess is what they're saying here. What? Oh, what the F and F? So here's the letter yep. that they sent to ORF. Okay, again, countervailing views, elections misinformation have been removed from this channel. Holy shit. It's crazy. So we'll go through this outrageous what explanation. The fuck. Thank you, Jimmy Dore. Wait, did he enter the chat too? No, Jimmy hasn't entered the chat. Jimmy doesn't enter this chat, but I'd love for him to. Oh, you want oh, to? Can you hear me? bitches. Nice stuff. Okay, so there are no statements taken out of context. No editing games were played to make it appear someone's saying something here. She did not. This was the point of the exercise to show exactly what was said, when, and by whom. As to their letter, and and I, you know, um. We fight with them, and I, there have been others, like, I know that um, Convo Couch, they've definitely had this happen to them, too. As to YouTube's letter, if indeed their election integrity policy and uh, prohibits content that advances false claims that past U.S. presidential elections were rigged or stolen, then YouTube really should be taking <clears throat> down the first video as well. And that's what I wanted to show, was this first video. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Mike McCray, Mike. At, follow at Mike McCray, Mike at Mike Mike McCray, Mike on YouTube. You're not allowed to do that if you get the name wrong. You just gotta give up. Right. <laughs> like halfway through, you'd be like, "All right, I give up." Just give up, man. All right, so let's go back here. <laughs> We're gonna show this video. <clears throat> this is the Hunter Biden video. Oh wait, this is the wrong video. Yeah. What we want to do is show this one, the election video first, and then we'll get to the Hunter Biden video afterwards. And that's that's where Jimmy didn't have time to get to in his segment with the work. But so if we're all in agreement that it is incorrect to say the 2020 election was stolen. Okay. What about the 2016 election? Look, I'm not going to go back into history. It was a stolen election. It was stolen. Stolen. He's an illegitimate president. He's an illegitimate president. You know, pretending to be president. Why do you think the president is going to such great lengths to essentially prove that he beat you? Because he didn't. One third of Clinton supporters say Trump election is not legitimate. I right. think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. You are absolutely right. You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. The 
2016 election was stolen. Got a nicer way to say that? Say Russia hacked the election. Russia hacked our election. Russia hacked our election. A little louder, please. Russia hacked our election. That was a 9-11 scale event. This was a kind of cyber 9-11. American institution. Yes. Russia hacked our election. Russia, you know, of course, hacked our election here. Half of Clinton's voters believe the conspiracy theory that Russia hacked election day votes. We know that they were into voting rolls. Actual interference with the elections themselves. We know it happened. Despite no credible evidence, 67% of Democrats believe Russia tampered with vote tallies. Hacking the U.S. election. Hacking the U.S. election. Russia hacked our election. The Russians hacked our election. Russia hacked our election. Russia hacked our election. Russian hacking of our elections. Hacking of our of our elections. Russia hacked our elections. Russia hacked our elections. Stolen elections. Russia hacked our elections. Russia hacked our elections. The universal assessment that Russia hacked our election in 2016. Most young Americans consider Donald Trump an illegitimate president. Illegitimate president. He's an illegitimate president. Why is he illegitimate? He just won an election. He's an illegitimate president in my mind. That's it. I absolutely agree. Experts urge Clinton Kemp to challenge election results. We will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. He's an illegitimate president. Russia hacked our election. Russians hacking our election. Hacked our election. Russia hacking our election. I don't see the president-elect as a legitimate president. Trump is an illegitimate president who stole the election. He is not a president. He's illegitimate. And my biggest fear is that he's going to do it again with the help of Vlad, his best pal. It's terrifying. Would you be my vice presidential candidate? Hillary Clinton voters call to overturn election results. More than 4 million people have already signed a petition on change.org calling for the electors of the Electoral College to, quote, ignore their states, votes, and cast their ballots for Secretary Clinton. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. We are the victims of a bloodless coup. He didn't win the general election. Yo, Electoral College, make Hillary Clinton president, period. Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. Illegitimate president. Dems don't accept Trump as a legitimate president. This wasn't on the level. This election was not on the level. I don't think he's a legitimate president. Our election wasn't legit! He got his victory from cheating. Yes, Trump cheated. Trump cheated the 2016 election. He's an illegitimate president. No validity, no credibility. Mm -hmm. And because of that... Anger at what some see as an illegitimate president. It will not be a peaceful change of power. A number of incidents turned violent. Protesters hurled trash cans, flash bombs, and objects at Police. Several officers injured. Protesters threw rocks and smashed windows, leading to more confrontations, injuries, and arrests. The chaotic scene just blocks outside the secure area of the inauguration. If denying election results is extreme now, yeah. why so let's So let's be really clear. That comparison that you made is just ridiculous. Protests against Donald Trump's election victory surged overnight, and some became violent. Violence erupted on the streets of Portland during the second straight day of protests over the election of Donald Trump. Some protesters launched fireworks and other projectiles at police. Several people began vandalizing cars. Some demonstrators smashed store windows. Protesters faced off with police in other cities, too, including Oakland, Denver, and Minneapolis. Violent protests continuing now for the third day in a row. Some 4,000 angry demonstrators over Trump's election victory taking to the streets. Officers in front of thousands of protesters in what police called a riot. Setting fires, taking their frustrations out on cars and buildings. People threw projectiles at officers and damaged property as well. I threw a trash can at them because I'm angry. 
One woman driving through was attacked as someone used a bat to smash her windshield. They are undermining our democratic process, everything that we stand for. People literally have the memory of flies. Like, they, they just don't remember any of this stuff, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, nope. I didn't want to... I remember. I remember. Yeah, so, uh, again, shout out to Orf. Everybody <laughs> subscribe to Orf. Follow him on YouTube. He's up to... 70, almost 75,000 subs. I think it's Ma Orphalia, right? <laughs> o R F A L E A. Orphale. 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 Orphalia. Orphale. Orphale. Okay. Yeah. He, he does a whole video about it. It's really funny. But we'll go back to the, uh, to the slide and to the article. But this video is, after all, packed with clips of people like Karine Jean Pierre saying that uh, the 2016 election was stolen. Again, all, all the things that. Our old pal Keith Olbermann proclaimed the public wouldn't stand for the bloodless school called voting. <laughs> Chris Hayes said Trump cheated. Conga line of officials from Adam Schiff to Elizabeth Warren insisted foreigners had hacked our elections. And these videos made what we believe to be a powerful, legitimate point about the framing of the last two presidential elections. The first is that despite Hillary's reluctant capitulation on election night 2016, the Democratic Party is, as a whole, as well as key officials in the government, never recognized Donald Trump as a legitimate president. Hillary Clinton, in fact, spent four years leading a public relations campaign insisting that A, she actually won in 2016, B, Trump only won because of a fraud and actual vote tampering, and C, Democrats going forward should not recognize his victory should he win a second time. Everybody, no, none of that happened, right? Our view, it took whether it's Stop the Steal or Russiagate, Denying a president's legitimacy because you believe a conspiracy theory is the same behavior and should be treated the same way. YouTube, by administering a strike to ORF, is sending a message that you may leave videos of Hillary Clinton saying we know that they were into the voting rolls, they they being the Russians, or Oldman warning that it will not be a peaceful change of power, which of course we know it was, or that the current president and vice president agreeing that their predecessor didn't really win. All of that, YouTube's required Surgeon General type warning called EDSA, which is their clump, clunky acronym for Educational, Documentary, Scientific, or Artistic Content. In other words, you may leave up such statements without mm. pointing out that they're unproven, incorrect, or irresponsible. Mm. This is the Except fact that... Though, right. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, no, no, I'm just saying, except they do. Like... Right. Right. This is the de facto. This is a de facto endorsement of such behavior when committed by certain people. When others do exactly the same thing, it's conspiracy theory, incitement, and even insurrection. Hmm. <clears throat> Donald Trump, of course, is running for president. I mean, again. this goes from yeah, yep. This goes I, from... I mean, with COVID, with like, like we're gonna get into the Hunter stuff, which has been fucking like anyway. And we'll even shout out Garland Nixon, Go on. who got who got censored off of Twitter this yep. week because of a joke about Palestinian people, and and he pissed off Anthony Blinken, who then made a phone call to the State Department, and he got mass reported by NAFO, a uh, uh, clown pedo bots, those stupid Shiba Inu losers that that sit in their mommy's basement and get paid by the federal government to to troll actual people, and and to clog discourse and to. Try to shape a narrative that there aren't Nazis in Ukraine when there evidently clearly are. But anyway, so Donald Trump is running for president again, of course. He's 
behavior after the 2020 vote will become Exhibit A in the case against his reelection, perhaps even rightly so. But YouTube is signaling early on that it will not permit press outlets to compare his behavior and his statements to those of his political opponents. See, now what I think is really happening and interesting here is that you're not allowed to criticize the current president. I kind of feel like YouTube Mm -hmm. was doing this to people that were censoring, that, that were saying this about Trump during Trump's presidency. It's almost like you're trying to cause an insurrection. No, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I think Trump supporters. No, because they uh, they clearly allowed CBS, MSNBC. No, not the other way. Like, no, when Trump won, there was constant videos and like, I mean, every joke on on Saturday Night Live, every joke on Jimmy Kimmel, and I I, I, I get that. I know and that. and how he's didn't win and how they hacked the elections and how you know yet if we if we talk about it at all right even so, from a lefty perspective so this isn't just like, about statements I mean the from convo couch has been demonetized for two plus that two, crap two forever years, since January 6th basically yeah uh, same thing with Nico and slow news yeah. day um, yep yeah this isn't just about statements from individual has-beens like Hillary Clinton, but from official bodies like DHS and FBI. Just like Trump, those official organizations have repeatedly engaged in a form of election denial, warning that upcoming elections would be packed full of efforts by foreign countries to, quote, amplify doubts about the integrity of U.S. elections and to, quote, hinder candidates perceived to be particularly adversarial to countries like China and Russia by, quote, spreading disinformation. These official statements are more or less exactly what Donald Trump was up to when he announces before an election that it's rigged, quote unquote. It's what he was doing weeks before the vote in 2016 when he said, quote, of course, there's a large scale voting fraud happening on and before Election Day. And it's what he was doing on Election Day when he said the machines, you put down a Republican and it registers as a Democrat. And they've had a lot of complaints about that today. Which, by the way, is exactly what happened in Texas. I can tell you, by the way, for yeah. fact that that vote flipping happened. And that was before things turned his way. The idea is to prepare the audiences to refuse to accept results of a vote should they go the wrong way. If you win, it's the cleanest election in history, which is exactly what the Democrats say. If you lose, the electorate is already primed to throw a fit. It's dirty, unpatriotic behavior. And now it's a routine element of all elections coming from the Trump side and from officialdom. Worse, it's the dirtiest kind of pool to have official agencies like FBI or DHS repeatedly leak that Russia or China prefers Bernie Sanders or Trump and is either trying to sabotage or already succeed in sabotaging elections on their behalf. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself, what purpose public leaks of such assessments serve? These have a patina of legitimacy because the organization's involved, but there is bereft of evidence as Trump stopped the steel claims and perhaps more corrupt because they're so flagrant a misuse of tax dollars. Hard to argue with there. Um, get back to yes, pointing out Graham Elwood has also been demonetized since, since then. Um, the press has to be allowed to make these points. If it isn't, Silicon Valley is encouraging one form of of unethical behavior while condemning another. Moreover, it's punishing the media for factually accurate reporting. 
there is no explicit or implicit message in force videos that either the 2016 or 2020 vote was compromised. His videos are the opposite of election denial. He's clearly making the point that no matter who does it, denying election results is irresponsible. If YouTube punishes him for that message, it just sends a message that all these bad actors are right and the system really is rigged. Hmm. We've asked politely for a reversal of their decision. YouTube must do the right thing here. So this happened on November 18th. So that was about nine days ago. I think it was Friday. On Sunday, Monday morning, I see this. Holy shit. Again, mm -hmm. YouTube censors reality. Boost disinformation. Part one. Now, there's no part two yet. And again, please go subscribe to TK News by Matt Taibbi. He also features ORF. He also features other censored content creators. His Substack is it's a kick-ass little outlet, and I'm going to use it as an example of things that you can actually do with Substack because I'm a big fan. Um, he's, do he's doing a podcast. He's amplifying smaller channels and writers. He's bringing in video editing and stuff. He's doing call-in shows. Shout out, you know, again, I've been a fan of Matt Taibbi's for long before since I started doing news. Um, He's one of the people that I really do respect his opinion and, and his take, even when he's wrong. And he can be too, but he's usually right. So what happened? What happened? New news today underscores that they continue to hype fake news. Yes, they do. Why? Because of the Hunter video. So, mm. we're, we're, we're going to show this video. And I'm feeling like I may need to. Yeah, but you're not going to be able to put it back. So, you might I as think, well I do think it. I can. And then I think if I it can. gets pulled, it's up on Rockfin. I think I can. But anyway. I, we've never... I don't think you can turn the YouTube ones back on once the you, event is over. Because do you events. remember? Do you remember when my power went out in the hotel room and I was able to bring it all back? From like yeah, that's because you're using restream in restream. Oh, that's right. Okay. Anyway, so all right, we'll leave it up, and I'm going to take the risk for INNN for my channel. But yeah, and we want to get if it gets pulled, we'll we'll put it, it on pulled, Rockfin. We're gonna yeah, except we're 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 getting close to monetization, and I'm I'm really. We'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Anyway, as subs are by now aware, I'm very upset yeah. about, and this is Matt Taibbi's recent, he's upset about YouTube's recent decision to censor a factually accurate video about a quote-unquote rigged election comments about or right? As it happens, now what I want to do is I'm going to search for new ways to embarrass the company until they reverse their decision. So as it happens, today offers an excellent opportunity. This is three days later. Fuck. CBS This Morning Today came out with a story claiming that they obtained a copy of the of the Hunter Biden laptop sent for an independent forensic review and determined that it appears genuine. This follow-up from the New York Times back on March 16th, and more importantly, the exhaustive earlier work of political reporter Ben uh, Schreckinger, Schreckinger, I don't want to mess that up, mm -hmm. confirming key emails in, this, in his yep. book, The Bidens, Matt did an exceptional job, or back in March in the video above, compiling clips of people who went on air and with absolute certainty proclaimed the laptop a lie or 
altered or fake or pure distractions. And of course, Russian disinformation. All in quote. Whether or not you thought the actual content of the story was important, the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop affair was a crossroads moment in the history of modern censorship. YouTube played a major role in this event. That's a Glenn Greenwald, by the way. This was a case in which yep. major news media, including CBS, NBC, PBS, CNN, and other countless outlets, actively embraced disinformation in the form of a group letter from 50-plus former intelligence officials saying the laptop story, they referred to a laptop op, had the classic earmarks of a Russian misinformation operation. All the aforementioned news agencies fell for this, as did Twitter, which blocked access to it, of course, in what then CEO Jack Dorsey later admitted was a total mistake. They even blocked it in DMs. And Facebook, who's increasingly adrift founder Mark Zuckerberg, later told Joe Rogan the story was throttled down at the suggestion of the FBI. We watched that pretty recently, I remember. You might have covered that on INN News. Yep. I think so. YouTube also pushed this this disinformation campaign. It still does. Despite the total absence of evidence from ever existing that the laptop was either fake or part of a Russian information operation and a growing pile of evidence that the laptop is real, YouTube continues to leave unmolested its site on its site countless videos promoting the conspiracy theory. That's what it is. Let's be clear that the laptop story is both bunk and an intelligence op. It's a theory. And now it seems that it is more a theory that it was bunk and that it's actually real. So he provides a brief sample of materials that they still have up unmarked as misinformation or disinformation. About are, are they peddling allies from 2020 about the Bidens of a Russian disinformation? And that's on PBS. Mm -hmm. Here's one on Nora O'Donnell on CBS. Here's one on CNN from Wolf Blitzer. Introducing Alex Marquardt talking about actually could be part of Russia's latest and very massive disinformation campaign in the U.S. presidential election. Okay. I mean, he should have just said, like, huge. 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 Yeah, I know. I was waiting for that. Okay. Huge. Dana Bash. Also, Nicole Wallace starts off humorously, scoffing at the idea. Okay, bashing of disinformation on Biden. This looks, walks, and talks like Russian intelligence. Uh -huh. Right? Suggesting that Biden is a corrupt politician, one of the most vetted politicians in the country. Yeah, the big guy. Uh huh. Jeremy Bash, former CIA chief of staff, now posing as a media figure, concurs. Of course. Again, because they used to just infiltrate the media by compromising the personalities. Now they just put them on TV. This looks yeah. like Russian intelligence. This walks like Russian intelligence. It looks like a classic Russian playbook, disinformation mm -hmm. campaign. Uh -huh. John Brennan, former CIA director. You know how he's lying, right? Steve Brennan. Yep. His lips, his lips are moving. It is for all these reasons that we write Ugh. to say the, the arrival on the U.S. scene of emails purportedly belonging to Vice President Sons Hunter much of it related to his time serving on the board of Ukrainian gas company Burisma has all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. Here it is on 60 Minutes. Wesley Stahl. 
And all these links are in this article for PK News, which we will put in the description after the show. There are plenty more of these. Again, he's got tons of examples. YouTube and Google now becoming exhibit A and the ultimate truth about any attempt to moderate content at scale. If you make even a good faith attempt, effort to even weed out, quote, disinformation, relying on official bodies to help, what you'll be left with is official disinformation. <laughs> Brilliant. But this isn't mm -hmm. a good faith effort to weed out untruths. YouTube has become a place that, that censors true content, but traffics in official and quasi-official deceptions. Again, you mentioned COVID. It's become indistinguishable from yeah. the state censorship bureau. If they feel they're right about their decisions, they should be happy to explain themselves to people like me. Until then, they can expect more love letters from this address. Hell yeah, Matt. Subscribers should know I don't believe in letting things like this go. But I also don't believe in annoying faithful readers. In the future, if there are similar entries in this campaign, I'll make them public but won't clog your email with notices. The idea is to be painting Google's backside, not yours. Well, share with me, man. Share with me, and I'll get yep. it out there. Because we definitely want to call out censorship, too. And again, follow M. Taibi. Give... It's taibi.substack.com, T-A-I-B-B-I.substack.com. This is lastname.substack.com. It's how you follow and sign up there. Enrique's playing the drums because he's got energy. Restream and restream. Don't cross the streams. That's right. Rick, don't cross the streams. Anthony's giving us the hot pepper. I don't know why, but we're getting a hot pepper because something spicy there. Um. Anyway, we've got... One more story. Okay, that's good. At 11.15. We're, we're, we're good on time. Uh, oh, you know what? I did want to mm -hmm. show the Hunter, Hunter sh uh, uh, thing. So let me do that. Okay. Okay, let's do it. Four and a half minutes. And... Incriminating evidence allegedly found on a laptop belonging to Biden. <laughs> Some sort of Russian, Russian disinformation, disinformation campaign. campaign One eternity later. Biden emails finally authenticated according to the New York Times. Yeah, it's, it's rewind time. It's a lie. <laughs> Altered or fake. Unverified emails. The story did not quite land due to the lack of verification. Listen. Can't be verified. What can't be verified? The laptop. Why do you say that? Well, because it can't be verified. I don't even want to report no, this. Well, this is the one of the well, most powerful no, because families in Washington. I'm a journalist. Okay, I would love if you guys would start doing that verification. No, we're not going to do your work for you. We it's are. a journalist's Contrary. job. Not anymore. <laughs> well, we know these emails are made up. Not really stories, oh, so just pure distractions. No serious journalist should fall for it. It's a journalist's Contrary job to, to, to find out if this is verified. The bottom line is we cannot confirm the story. Experts say the emails cannot be authenticated. The mainstream yeah. media is not reporting on this story because we can't Dr. authenticate Smoky. this material. Um, says so. uh, the Hunter Biden laptop material is genuine. Genuine. This is a classic example of the right-wing media machine. It just lacks credibility. The fact that it appeared in the New York Post. The only place low enough to put this orphan bastard story in print. Obvious disinformation. It is so obviously a Russian operation. So obviously disinformation. So obviously a Russian plot. Tell me why it's so obviously a Russian plot to you. This is uh, just a classic textbook Soviet-Russian tradecraft at work. Right, exactly. And this is classic, very classic. 
classic uh, Russian disinformation tactic. Your classic disinformation campaign. We shouldn't look at it as anything other than a Russian disinformation like operation. Like Known Kremlin disinformation. Russians would this be my number one guess. Obviously, Russia. Russian disinformation <laughs> operation. Russian disinformation. Pushing Russian disinformation. It does bear the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinformation. Hunter Biden's laptop looks like it's tied to Vladimir Putin in Moscow. Well, if Vladimir Putin shuts us down, it's been, I don't know. it's been real, guys. I, I truly... The, you don't know. The serious yeah. answer is that I truly do not know the answer to that. Did you leave a, a laptop with a repairman not in Wilmington? Not, not that I remember. No. no. I Where's the eyes bugging out? Are you kissing the laptop? Not that I know of. Whoa. Not that I know of. This whole operation looks right out of the Kremlin playbook. Crack. The playbook of Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation put into the haystack. Russian disinfo. Sounds like bullshit. I mean, who takes a laptop with their most personal information, That's drops it off, and never comes back for it? <laughs> read the book and you'll realize that I wasn't keeping uh, tabs on possessions very well for about a four-year period of time. A Russian disinformation campaign. Disinformation mm. from the Russians. Is that when you were just trying very hard to spread? disinformation about Joe Biden. The Biden the, campaign says the, this the, is the, Russian the, disinformation. The There's overwhelming evidence that the Russians are engaged. I know, Russians right? are engaged. It's a Russian plan. Russian like disinformation. Nobody believes it except of his and his good friend yep. Rudy Gianni. So could have been yours. Of course. Rudy Gianni. Oh, that's hot. That's hot. History will expose you all as fools and useful oh, idiots hot. for the Russians. <laughs> the idiocy. The sheer idiocy. <laughs> 50 former intelligence officials signed on to a letter yesterday saying that the New York Post story about Hunter Biden's emails has all of the classic earmarks of a Russian disinformation campaign. Russia Giuliani. Don't trust anything that he's telling you. This is Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation campaign. Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation campaign. Russian disinformation meant to harm our democracy. Disinformation by the Russians. The fruits of a foreign intelligence operation. Part of that bigger Russian disinformation effort. A Russian intelligence operation connected to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort linked to a foreign intelligence operation connected to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort tied to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort connected to a Russian disinformation campaign linked to a foreign intelligence operation likely coming from Russian right, Russian intelligence to people familiar with the matter told NBC News. We now know that Russian disinformation or foreign disinformation or even this, you know, campaign disinformation period is as dangerous to our democracy as anything exposed in these emails. Or like disinformation mm. being perpetrated by you freaking clowns in the corporate media who's paid stenographers and paid whores and paid propagandists on behalf of the State Department and the war machine and the pharmaceutical companies. And the automakers to a point, but <clears throat> um, some of the worst people on the planet. So th thanks for that. Um, again, go follow Orf. Go follow Matt Taibbi. Go support their work. Support their channels. We do. Big fans. Appreciate them. All right. So I do have one other story, and this was a pretty big one. Um, Ukraine goes dark. And again... Where's the corporate media on this one? I did not really hear them talk about the lights going out in all of Ukraine. Well, and they, they they did, but it was it was Russian Putin, scum. Russian scum. Yeah, it's exactly. Yep, it's like they did. How dare they hit 
you, you know all the power plants. Like it's gonna um, hurt civilians, uh, right? That is, by the way. So, but that pipeline though, that pipeline wouldn't have done that either. That pipeline, what? Well, no, that one through there. I'm but sorry? yeah, they forgot to pay their light bill. I guess according to Big Mad Crab again. Shout out to Crab for making the thumbnail. But that is an overhead shot, a satellite shot, and we're gonna start with that. Satellite images of Ukraine. The first image, which is actually it's in reverse. The first image was from January 27th of this year at night. Second yeah. image is from November 23rd. Yikes. Yep. Um, Houston. Somebody forgot to pay the we light. We have a problem. So what the hell is going on here? So I'm going to ask my friends over at Moon of Alabama. Indie Media Award honorees. Alabama. Another hundred billion? No, that's not even enough, Eric. We they want even more than that. But Ukraine lights out, no water, and soon no heat. Oh my god. Okay. Well, let's <clears> see. <throat> let's see what's going on here. Earlier today, and again, this was just the other day, the twenty third, four days ago. Earlier today, the Russian military shut down the Ukrainian electricity network. Previous attacks had limited the, the distribution capacity to some 50% of demand. Cold blackouts or other several hours per day allowed to give some electricity for a few hours to most parts of the parts of the country. The attack today created a much larger problem. Not only were distribution networks attacked, but also so the elements that connect Ukraine's electricity production facilities to the distribution network. All four nuclear power plants of Ukraine with their 15 reactors are now in shutdown mode. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. So Kiev, along with most other cities of Ukraine, no longer has electricity. You saw the overhead shot of nighttime. And, and there are some other pictures yep. and articles. Moldovia is likewise affected as it receives some 20% of its electricity from Ukraine. When, it, when the Ukrainian network shut down, only Moldova. the local thermal power plant, power plant shut down too. The only one shut down. The only local power, power plant shut down. It's likely that it can be switched on again, but that can be a complicated process. Limited electricity imports from the European system into Ukraine may still be possible, but possible, but that electricity would only be available in Ukraine's western cities. For today's attack, WAPO reported the, of the difficulties in repairing the network. As we had explained here before, Russian attacks are hitting the transformers that connect the national 330 kilovolt backbone network. These are hard to replace. Sorry to hear that. As the scope of the damage to Ukraine's energy systems has come into focus in recent days, Ukrainian and Western officials have begun sounding the alarm, but are also realizing they have limited recourse. Ukraine's Soviet-era power system cannot be fixed quickly or easily. In some of the worst-hit cities, there is little officials can do other than to urge residents to flee, raising the risk of economic collapse in Ukraine and a spillover refugee crisis in neighboring European countries. Thanks, NATO. Yeah. Ukrainian Prime Minister... Um, said that about half the country's energy infrastructure was out of order following the, the bombardment. No, you're out of order. For weeks, Russian... This missiles whole courtroom's out of order. Yeah, this whole country's Sorry. out of order. What? It's more like it. No. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. For weeks, Russian missiles have targeted key components of Ukraine's electrical transmission system, knocking out vital transformers without which it is impossible to supply power to households, businesses, government offices, schools, hospitals, and other critical facilities. Basically, what you would want to do if you want to take out a government that is shelling its own people and not yeah. willing to recognize independent yeah. countries, the independent republics in, in the Donetsk, uh, Lugansk, and you know Crimea that we talk about. But during a briefing for reporters yep. on Tuesday, nine years, head of Ukrainego, which is the state-run power grid operator, called the damage to the new power system to the power system colossal. Yeesh, that's a that's a word that you mm. don't want to see the head of a power system talking about. Russians, yeah. he said, were mainly targeting substations, nodes on the electrical grill, grid, where the current is redirected from power stations. The main components of these substations are auto transformers, both high tech and high cost equipment that is difficult to replace. Well, high cost is not a problem when you're getting hundreds of billions of dollars from the U.S. But what what do you think? the people will do if they don't have power well that's what the that, that's what the russians you are know? counting on and why they're targeting the infrastructure system a list yes. of urgent needs from yeah. detect the country's largest private energy company circulating in washington lists dozens of transformers along with circuit breakers bushings and transformer oil but it's the auto transformers the heart of the substations the words in the words of this uh this minister or this head of the energy uh, uh faction that are at the top of ukrainians list of needs and the key to keeping the country's electrical grid functioning what happened to barisma by the way <laughs> ukrainians have tried to buy up every auto transformer they can find as going as far as south korea to purchase auto transformers but they still need to, to place orders for more to even be built talk about supply chain issues yeah. But we try to collect everything around the world that they have now and order more. An advisor to Ukraine's energy ministry quoted. Any attempts to repair the network are useless as long as Russia continues to attack it. And yet they won't call for a ceasefire. To stop these attacks requires a political solution and Ukraine will have to give up and find some agreement with Russia. Maybe they'll actually listen at some point. Russia also attacked some of the natural gas sources Ukraine has. Ah, we asked about Burisma. Russia last week broadened yep. its targets. Uh, their chief executive of Ukraine state energy company Naftogaz said in an interview that a massive rocket attack hit 10 gas production facilities in Kharkiv and Poltava regions, including Shebelinka, one of the largest production and drilling areas. Yikes. Of course, we will do our best now to recover, but this will take time and resources and material. Time is of the essence because winter is now. Yes, winter is coming. <laughs> this does feel very Game of Thrones. Yep. And I saw a quote like from the Russian, uh, from the Ukrainian first lady about how they're willing to live without power and heat for two to three years. Good luck with that. The targeting of well, the gas supply. It was a critical development, said Victoria 
Wojciska, who's a former member of Parliament, now working with civil society groups on getting Ukraine the equipment it needs. If Moscow takes out the gas system, she said, cities and villages across the country would become, quote, uninhabitable. Kelly, good night. Thanks for hanging out. As always, love you. Russian gas provider Gazprom has announced that it will reduce the transport of gas through Ukraine to European customers as the Ukraine is stealing from it. Of course they are. So Gazprom has noticed said that it noticed some of the gas intended for Moldova under a contract with the local gas firm is being diverted by Ukraine. If the imbalance in gas transit continues, Gazprom will start reducing gas flows via Ukraine on the morning of November 28th. Russian gas giant said today, as carried by Russian news agency TASS. That's actually in the morning, so we'll have to find out and follow up if that happens. Without electricity... Yep. It's also no water flowing in the water distribution cities and systems of the cities. Without water, toilets can't be used. Public hygiene will suffer. And oh yeah, the internet in Ukraine is also down. They're not talking about this anywhere. But Ukraine's winning, right guys? I, I had people tell me over Thanksgiving weekend they think Ukraine's winning. This does not sound like winning. Mm. A country no. that is becoming uninhabitable has little chance to wage and win a war. When there is no transport, no electricity, no heat, and no communication, everything becomes incredibly difficult. The refugee stream, all this will cause, will increase pressure on Europe to push Ukraine into negotiating peace for Russia, uh, peace with Russia. Tough conditions will be applied, but there is no other way out of this mess. Yes. Holy shit, Russia is still providing gas to Ukraine. How about that? While still bombing them. Because Ukraine has to buy it from somebody, they need to power their country. Throughout the last weeks, Ukrainian attacks on the front line have been remarkably ineffective. Again, not telling you this on mainstream corporate media. There is no longer any coordination of larger formations. The units attacking now are mostly only company sides or even smaller. And they link a 12-minute video that showed drone footage of such an attack that was published yesterday. Quote, I can't believe I missed this one today. The editing is unbelievable. A 12-minute clip of Ukrainians conducting what was sadly a suicide attack on Russian trenches. Just to be pummeled by SU-25s, infantry, heavy mortars, a tank, MLRs, and a and finished with an SU-34 bombing run. Oh. So basically making God. sure that the area was completely destroyed and there was nothing left. Completely cleared, yeah. Sitting on top of an armored infantry vehicle, some 20 Ukrainian soldiers drive up to a fortified area and enter the first empty row of trenches. From there, they try to attack the second row of trenches that is held by a handful of Russian soldiers. The Ukrainian troops seem to be fairly well equipped with helmets and armor vests, but they have no support. The Russian infantry fights back. It's supported by well-targeted mortar fire, artillery, tanks, and air attacks. The Russians have drones up in the air that can see the whole scene. The Ukrainian units have nothing but their rifles and a few hand grenades. After the attacking platoon is destroyed, the Russian artillery attacks and destroys the industrial area from where they had been coming. The whole operation ends up as a complete disaster. All Ukrainian troops involved seem to be dead. The Russian side seems to have had no or only few casualties. This place took 
this battle took place some time ago, but it's still incredible to watch now that they made the concise edit. If we consider that such attacks have been ha happened by the dozens every week, the Russian Minister of, Ministry of Defense estimates uh, estimates of Ukrainian daily losses aren't that far-fetched. Well, there are several such attacks per day, and only a few are successful. Very few are successful. So from today's clobber list, I can't even imagine that there is such a thing, but there's a link here to a clobber list. So here is in Donetsk. Mm -hmm. Units of Russian army continued their intense operation. More than 60 Ukrainian servicemen and five armored fighting vehicles have been eliminated. Again, this is war. I'm, we're anti-war. We don't want to see anybody killed. Um, this we, we want to see this stop. There's no reason for any of this anymore at all. In South Donetsk direction, artillery fire and, and decisive actions by Russian troops, Russian troops have repulsed an attack by the AFU with up to a company's tactical group forces towards Pavlovka. In addition, as a result of a preemptive fire attack, enemy reserves advancing from Uglodar have been destroyed. Uh, a sabotage and recon group of the AFU has been destroyed near Nova Dakrova. So again, you can see like there's a bunch. The enemy losses amounted to more than 40 Ukrainian servicemen killed and wounded, three armored vehicles, an MTLB, and four pickup trucks. They're taking out a bunch of stuff here, it seems like. Okay, again, you've got near Lugansk, supported by artillery fire and heavy flamethrower systems. As a result, artillery, Russian artillery fire, more than 30 Ukrainian servicemen, two motor vehicles, and one mortar have been destroyed. Okay, again, they're just showing in different areas <clears throat> another 20 servicemen. Okay, 72 artillery units, and, and they're going to add this up, and he's going to say, they're going to say, that are, that adds up, that are, that is at least 150 dead Ukrainian soldiers just there. I do not understand how the Ukrainian command is still ordering such senseless attacks militarily. It should have long gone into defensive mode. It would save Ukrainian lives and would make it more costly for the Russians to attack. But they're under orders, we know from NATO. I like how you said, don't. Yep. You were like, don't. I don't understand. I sounded <laughs> Canadian. Or, uh, like you because it said no. It said a, yeah. It, it said do don't, not, don't, don't, and you read it as do. Oh, European Parliament. I don't know. Which has, by the way, no serious legislative function. Voted today for a non-binding resolution that declared Russia to be, and of course we know love to Mick Wallace and to Claire Daly, but and they called this out. It's ridiculous. That Russia is a state sponsor of terrorism. Really? Some Russians found this outrageous. A few hours later, the parliament was hit by a sophisticated cyber attack. The EP website was affected by a hacking attack, officials said Wednesday. How about that? Parliament President Roberta Metsola said it was a sophisticated attack and that a pro-Kremlin group had claimed responsibility. She noted that the attack followed the EU lawmakers' vote to name Russia a state sponsor of terrorism over its war in Ukraine. And her response, of course, is Slava Ukraini. Oh. That, ir that irrelevant Maltese conservative still has a lot to learn. Maltese friends, conservatives. Okay. Well, no, she's from she's literally from Malta. It was a fucking 
Parliament president okay. from Malta. Roberto I mean, but he's Bensola. also playing off the yes, the Maltese Falcon, the yes. the Falcon of the famous, yeah, yes. So yeah. before we uh, head over and and hang out, um, man, these see? are these are all the links and all the different logos and all the different properties and all the different things you can check out. We got indieleft.com and indieleft.news. And IndieLeft.media, which is the link tree to all the links, and IndieMedia.today, and IndieMediaToday.com, which go to the Substack. And you've got IndependentLeft.media, which also goes to the link tree, and IndependentLeft.news, which is the main website. And, oh yeah, IndependentLeft.shop. We actually have a merch store for the Bong Father, and we have an INN shop as well. I think it's uh, IndieNews.shop. Yep. shop. And you can go there too. Yep. So, yep, X, to answer your question, INN, we are a member channel of INN, and we are the founders of INN, but we are separate from INN. We are our own channel, and we're building both channels, as well as supporting all the other channels and members of INN who we love and appreciate. Uh, hey, and we're back to two shots. So, um, yep, X, so says what the U.S. media also fails to report on is that there is a much bigger war between Russia and Ukraine, it's about the U.S. is losing its hegemony and about the shift in economic and political power. 100%. They don't you want to talk about multipolarity? that. multipolarity? You mean, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the BRICS okay. alliance. Yep. 100%. The economic um, sanctioning. The jam like, mom, I'm guessing that's yep. bad mom Anon. How are you? Welcome. Good to see you. And we've got Eric T. Red, patron supporter of Indie Left. Appreciate you, my friend. Sabby Sabs, producer, engineer, extraordinaire. <clears throat> destroying energy infrastructure is a crime. Yes. Then what is the destroying of Nord Stream 1 and 2? Wait. Actually, what we have found.com. Um, and again, I'm speculating here, and I'm going to be careful about what I'm speculating, but the evidence seems to point to a U.S. directed operation that was coordinated and executed by the Polish um, military and, and special forces in coordination with British special forces. And Kit Klarenberg has done a, quite a bit in the gray zone UK to uncover that. Shout out to Kit Klarenberg. He's also an Indie Media Award honoree. If you can go and give Kit Klarenberg a, a share on Twitter, he's awesome. Um, all right, so that was that was another happy episode of. How did we miss that? Right at two and a half. Um, stay tuned this week. We got a big week. Um, so I don't know if it's Monday yep. night, Tuesday night, sometime we'll put up the stream. But Tara has an interview with a young woman who's on Baina. the on the Myrovitz kill list. And talk yep. about what that's like. And she lives in in Donetsk, uh, Faina. And then uh, it's Tuesday, be 10 p.m. Pacific. Tuesday, Tuesday we got think? we got Care Bears show. Is it 10 p.m. Pacific? Okay. Um, I think Tuesday we got yeah. Care Bears Care Bears special episode of INN News. Wednesday we've got INN News regular. It's regular night and time. Wednesday night nine o'clock. And stay tuned for some other stuff. Yep. Um, I'm working on a little something. I got a logo. I got some scripts written. I need to 
organized some stuff, but there's there's something special and new coming out of me. Um, and it's not going to be politics related, believe it or like not. Like a little alien? Hello, my darling. Hello, my baby. Hello, my ragtime gal. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. And yeah, so we'll be up, you know, you'll be, you can download the podcast. Go to anchor.fm slash independent left news. You got to spell that all the way out. Um, I'll get that up there this week. If Phantom S. Fanto resurfaces, he's taking a week off. Shout out. Thank you so much for all your work, Fanto. If he resurfaces this week, hopefully we'll get some clips done. If not, I'll have to do it myself. And I can do that if I need to. Um, we had an awesome American tradition yeah. last week with Jesse Jett. And he did Mark. a listening party for uh, for his re-release of The Coming of Spring. And um, that was great. So definitely check that out. I just created actually a new playlist for all the full episodes of American Tradition because we only had a Jesse Jet playlist and there were clips and full episodes and everything. So now just the 11 episodes or actually there's 15 episodes in total. One of them I realized yesterday never made it on to INN's channel because we were censored for a week and we only went live on my channel that week, mm. Labor Day week. And I have the gotcha. video file uploaded and it's already and queued up. And maybe one day this week, maybe even Thursday night, I'll run that as a premiere and we can have that run live on INN for the first time. And then add it to the library with all the other episodes. But um, <clears throat> for tonight, and I appreciate everybody hanging out. This was a lot of fun. Appreciate you going through these stories. Support workers. Support Amazon workers, support pilots. Shout out to Orf, free Orf, fuck censorship, and uh, always question everyone's motivations. Everybody, what about you? If you fall asleep, keep listening to what little birds have to tell you. Good night, fam. <laughs> I think I liked it better being blind when I couldn't read between the lines. When I couldn't see the cracks in the structure that lay bare before me the whole time I think I liked it better back when I Suspended disbelief and swallowed pride I thought I knew the difference in the red from the blue But they both bleed us so dry They both bleed us so dry My favorite songs don't hit the same way I get to the end of a four-minute track and I'm only looking back thinking, what did they actually say? So I try to...